Well, Madam Chairperson, it is 531, or 532, if I look at the clock correctly. And it looks like we have, I think, everybody here too. So I think it's probably time to get us to call to order. And I'll let you do the rest right now, Roger. Thank you, members. Thank you. Um, good evening, everyone. I'm Roger Steinbrock. I have a few uh, housekeeping items for this hybrid meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. Please remember to mute yourself during the meeting while you're not speaking. The chat function for the public meeting is disabled. All chats will go directly to me. Unless you are participating during the meeting, please turn off your video. This allows the active member participants to be seen on screen. You will still be able to hear the meeting. When you are participating, please turn on your video. If you have any trouble, you can send me a message in the chat. Uh, the city reserves the right to mute people or turn individual video off to minimize distractions during this meeting. And now I'll turn it back over to Chairperson Jackie Becker. Muted. I that. <laughs> See, now I wasn't on mute, so I did it regardless. All right, let's try this again. So our first um, duty today uh, would be number B, which is approve our minutes from March. If I could have everybody look those over and I'm looking for a motion. I move approval of the minutes, Marilyn Hull, sorry, Marilyn Hull board member. Um, I move approval of the minutes. John Albandian board member, I'll second that. All right, um, all those in favor, if you can do a raise your hand or say aye. Any nays? All right, approval of minutes carries. Jackie, before we get started, this is Roger Steinbrock, liaison to the board. We might want to make the announcement of the information that we got today from Brendan. Um, he has resigned his position. He's moving to Manhattan uh, for his job. He, had, he was said, telling me over the phone, I had a conversation with him, and he was uh, very remiss that he did not know this was going to be happening. Um, he had never planned on, on doing this to the board as well. So he's been going back and forth from Manhattan for a while, and then he and his wife have uh, they've made the transition to move to Manhattan. So he's in the process of relocating. So uh, I forward the, the uh, uh, resignation on to the uh, city manager's office, and the mayor has been uh, notified as well for that we need to have a replacement person. Uh, Jackie Becker, chair here. I just want to thank him for the time that he did give us and his service to the Lawrence Parks and Rec Department and hopefully his new job down in Manhattan, Kansas. Uh, maybe he can find some Parks and Rec love down there too, so, or across there. So. And uh, that also means, of course, that there will be another opening for our advisory board. So if anyone has any suggestions, of course, send those over to the mayor. Okay. How many um, are there? Two. two right now. 
I know we're getting close on one, I think, to cover for, uh, from BART. Uh, we had some people in mind and unfortunately don't have enough time right now. So we're re-looking re in another direction. But yeah, if anyone can think of anyone, definitely send it over to Mayor Shipley. Uh, so now we're moving on to C, which is public comment. And um, Roger, has there anyone who has signed up for public comment so far? Well, I see that JT is on. I don't know if he, JT, if you can unmute yourself. Are you wanting public comment or are you just here to listen tonight? No comment. Okay. Thank you. All right. That means we're moving on to item D, which is our agenda for this month's meeting. Oh, Jackie, one moment. I guess that we don't have it live on YouTube yet. That's what he was saying on this. So he, he probably is waiting to view it. I guess he may be on his phone or something. So uh, we may want to go back to public comment after the presentation, if that's okay with you, just to see if he did have anything. Because I know we had had conversation at the last meeting and then he's been in communication with me, but I think he's going to wait until next next time potentially to have something on the agenda as well. Sounds good. Thank you, Roger. So we will just jump back to that once it looks like we're connected. So it doesn't look like we still are for YouTube with audio. Are we allowed to move on to the next things then, or do we have to wait until the audio gets going? No, no, no. I say we go ahead and move on. All right. Then our agenda item number one is our friends of Oak Hill who have returned this month. Hi. Thanks for another chance to give it a go. Yeah. Thanks, Denise. Let's see if I can do this. Okay. I'm going to share a screen. Okay. And now I am starting the slideshow. You're a master, Denise. <laughs> Ta-da. Okay, here we are. So thanks for your time this evening. I'm Denise Pettengill, Vice President of Friends of Oak Hill. Um, Coyla Lockhart is going to be joining. Um, we also have Shannon Hodges, who's a founding member and president of Friends of Oak Hill, and Steve Novak also is with us, the director, executive director of Watkins Museum of History. So after this presentation, I'm hoping that you will have an understanding of our organization's history and our goals related to Oak Hill Cemetery. Did I cover everything on there? No, I didn't. Let me say some more on this first slide. So we're a nonprofit community organization in Lawrence, Kansas with a mission to promote the preservation and appreciation of the historic Oak Hill city-owned cemetery. We serve as an advocacy group for addressing maintenance practices, funding, historic preservation efforts, education, and community involvement at Oak Hill. Don't do the roller. It's our goal that Oak Hill Cemetery continued to be a sustainable and valued asset to the community of Lawrence, Kansas. When I'm at Oak Hill, I see so many people walking, enjoying the scenery, engaging in historical and genealogical research. I've also met a lot of people there researching Civil War history. They are always very excited to talk to me about their relationship with Oak Hill and their discoveries there. We want to encourage and grow that excitement. 
Friends of Oak Hill was established in 2017, the same year Oak Hill Cemetery was placed on the National Register of Historic Places. We were incorporated as a 501c3 nonprofit organization in 2020. And since its founding, we have worked with uh, to improve the conditions of Oak Hill Cemetery by partnering with Lawrence Parks and Recreation Department. Our activities that we have scheduled, spring and fall cleanup days, we have a presence there at the cemetery on Memorial Day weekend to help visitors find the graves of their loved ones using the interactive cemetery map. In fall of 2020, we uh, reached a memorandum of understanding with the Parks and Rec Department. As you can see, we have some very adorable volunteers show up for our cleanup days. So I'll go on to our um, some of our accomplishments in chronological order. In spring of 2021, we collaborated with Dr. Kelly Kinsher's Seniors Environmental Studies class project. So this was their capstone project for their senior year, the greening of Oak Hill. And their project proposed using adaptable native plants to reduce the need for mowing, water, and herbicide use. And those project plans were submitted to the city of Lawrence horticulturalist. So native plants that would use less water, that would require less herbicide use and could grow in the shade were picked. Less herbicide use lowers the risk of harm to people. And the older stones are particularly susceptible to direct contact with those chemicals. And also the use of herbicides around the stones results in bare earth that then is subject to erosion that can destabilize the monuments. The benefit of low ground covers around the monuments would be that that would allow for mowing further away from monuments and decrease the potential damage from mower decks. In the spring of 2021, Friends of Oak Hill was an award, awarded an $11,000 natural and cultural heritage grant through the Douglas County Heritage Conservation Council to restore monuments in section two. Friends of Oak Hill contributed an additional $5,000 in funds. And uh, in talking with uh, Lawrence Parks and Recreation Department, the, we found that the $100,000 request that they had made in CIP funds for cemetery restoration uh, could be bundled with that. We submitted an amendment to the HCC uh, letting them know about our plan to go ahead and combine all of these funds, resulting in a $116,000 budget that will allow us to restore many more stones. That project will encompass work in sections one, two, and three. Uh, so a prioritized list of monuments has to be restored, has been made. Um, once that's finalized, that will be sent out to bid. We met with uh, Mitch this morning and discussed the, uh, the monuments that were currently listed. So that's going to be happening. In spring of 2021, we also collaborated with NAACP of Lawrence on the Untold Stories, African American Burials in Douglas County. That was their project. And uh, here you can see a, a 107th US Colored Infantry gravestone. Notably, uh, Oak Hill Cemetery didn't start out as a racially segregated cemetery. 
So you will find these U.S. colored infantry troops uh, throughout the cemetery. In the summer, the very hot summer of 2021, we assisted Dr. Blair Schneider with the Kansas Geological Survey with a geophysical assessment to locate unmarked burials in Potter's Field at Oak Hill Cemetery. So there were three methods. Pretty sure electrical conductivity is the first one. Electrical resistivity is the middle one. And then ground penetrating radar is the last one. So Dr. Blair Schneider collated all these data streams, uh, shared the preliminary, uh, preliminary <laughs> results with us at our annual meeting. And um, so her findings were that there are many, many unmarked burials there in Potter's Field, as you can imagine. Friends of Oak Hill is continuing to work with Dr. Schneider by providing a 501c3 umbrella for her to apply for grants to continue her work in documenting the burials in Popper's Field, Popper Section, or Potter's Field. Um, this will allow continuation and expansion of this project. Application for a 2022 HCC grant to continue this work has been submitted. And here you see the photo of the plat for Popper section. These were a book of plats that were discovered in cleaning out a city hall closet. On this plat map, you can see the burial of Pete Vinegar, Isaac King, and George Robertson, who were the three lynching victims in 1882. The findings of these maps ties into Lawrence Douglas County Remembrance Project and its collaboration with the Equal Justice Initiative to commemorate and provide education, reconciliation, and signage to acknowledge lynchings that occurred in the United States. Friends of Oak Hill member and local historian, Jen Klein, provided a walking tour in collaboration with Lifelong Recreation Program with Parks and Rec. Her program was suffragist in Lawrence and it was held over two weekends in August where the tour visited the resting places as suffragists in Oak Hill. In fall of 2021, we had a monument cleaning workshop with Sarah Holder, who's preservation and technical training specialist at Prosico of Lawrence. Along with the community members, we cleaned several monuments in section two using cleaning products and tools approved for historic monuments. Friends of Oak Hill has also assembled monument cleaning kits with the approved cleaning materials and tools designed to clean without harming the monuments as ordinary cleaners can. To check out the kits from Friends of Oak Hill to clean your family's stones, we require watching the video of the workshop held by Corey Thomas of Pishney Restoration Services. And that's located on the Douglas County Heritage Conservation Council website. <clears throat> so I'm sure most of you know, established by the city of Lawrence in 1865 as a rural garden cemetery, its purpose was reburial and honoring of the dead from Quantrill's raid. Victims were first buried in Pioneer Cemetery, far west of town at that time. And in 1895, Lawrence erected a monument to honor the victims of Quantrill's raid, which you see there in the photo to the right. 
William Allen White described Oak Hill Cemetery as the Kansas Arlington due to the burials of people of note to our local and state cultural heritage. The needs of Oak Hill is an older cemetery continue to grow. The older areas of the cemetery have monuments that are showing deterioration due to age and are in need of restoration and preservation. Oak Hill Cemetery is part of the unmistakable identity of Lawrence, Kansas and deserves the restoration and preservation to keep it a vibrant part of our cultural history. Friends of Oak Hill is requesting the advisory board support a comprehensive needs assessment and a long-term maintenance and preservation plan be put in place to systematically address the ongoing needs of Oak Hill Cemetery. And that's the end of my presentation. Are there any questions? Uh, this is John Nalbandian, board member. Are there uh, plaques in the cemetery similar to what is the plaques along Burroughs Trail? Koila, do you want to answer that? Koila has been working on signage. Um, we, we have funds dedicated to doing some of the kiosks type things like at um, on the on the Burroughs Trail and some of the other um, historical places in the city. Um, we just need to get approval from the uh, well, we we need to develop, I guess, a pretty good draft of what we want right. and then and then we'll put it before the um, the committee that approves those uh, sign the signage committee for the HRC, I think it is. Um, but yeah, we've we've and I, I took pictures of all of all of the signage in the area. The ones that the city did, um, the the brown and yellow ones are very. I think they're very well done. But I think that the the ones with the more information, the kiosk type, are are very informational, and I think they attract a lot of people. And especially, I think we need one at Potter's Field because. Right. Really, no one knows what that field is, and so a lot of times, you know, they're. I, somebody said they'd seen cars driving, you know, around the field, and you know they just think it's an open field, and so we need some signage and possibly uh, fencing also. That would be really a good thing to do. John Albandian again. I think also that. I would assume uh, Watkins Museum could really help out on that. Okay. Yeah. We, you know, we have talked to Steve uh, about it. There he is. Yep. There he is. Yeah. yeah. I popped up now. Um, <laughs> yes, we've already had a conversation, and I'm also a part of the group that is working with Lynn Zollner um, to make those approvals of historic markers, and um, I've also agreed that we would. Um, interface with the designer that, that we use with the Grover Barn and the pool and the Burroughs Creek Trail um, and the same fabricator. So we can, uh, there's a system in place to um, uh, fabricate those uh, markers 
once the content has been developed and the placement has been approved. Right. And it sounds like funding is already in place. So, some funding has been designated, yeah, specifically for those signs, yeah. I'm just going to, I'm Shannon Hodges, uh, Friends of Oak Hill Cemetery, just going to kind of jump in and say, so essentially we have, we have the copy complete. We have provided that to Lynn. We have the photos. We need the graphic designer to put it all together in the mock-up to be sent to the sign committee. So we're, I'd say we're three quarters of the way there um, on those signs. And we did have some designated funding um, to pay for those, at least in part. I don't know the cost, so I couldn't say how much of it is paid, but um, a considerable amount. When you're ready for those, just go to the designer, let me know, and we can work all that out. This is Marilyn Hull, board member. Um, the comprehensive need needs assessment of things that you were talking about, Denise, I'm asking staff now, is there a one, um, is there a budget source for that? And two, can that be incorporated into the revision of our master plan? For the signage? No, I'm talking about at the end of her presentation, she said what they were asking of the advisory board was uh, approval or recommendation of a comprehensive needs assessment. And I'm not sure what all else you said, Denise, but you want some activity to take place. And I guess I'm, um, I'm asking if there are budget implications for that or if that activity can be woven into the revision of the department's master plan. Yeah, and um, going forward, I'm gonna call the master plan the comprehensive plan. So if you, you hear me, it's gonna be the same thing. So I'm trying to get away from the, the past terminology of master plan. I, have to, I don't have the scope in front of me. I do believe that there is something in there about addressing the associations, whether it be, you know, the Mountain Bike Club, the LSA, North Escape Association, Friends of Oak Hill, Friends of Lawrence Area Trails. It should incorporate all that as they do the community engagement, but I just don't, don't recall. I've been more focused on a few other things lately, but we're getting close to putting that out. Uh, budget, I'll let Mark speak a little bit. We do have a couple of budget items that are in there this year, but I, uh, in the future, I don't think we have anything else besides the CIP that was awarded for this year, plus the grant that Prince Kill had. Yes, Mark Eckers, Assistant Director. Yes, that's the only budgeted funds we have. So in my mind, the comprehensive plan would guide us to these other sub plans. So it's like a park master plan for another property. It would also delineate that we need to do a comprehensive plan for the cemetery. So I think that's the start is big picture coming down to little pictures. So, I, you know, and in that you start delineating dollars because you have to put the dollars for the plan in there. So, you know, I, I think all of this is, is great idea and great thoughts, but I think it's going to have to tie into a budget at some point in time for one, the plan, and then how do we carry out the plan once we have it? Because it's kind of pointless to make a plan if there's no funding for, for doing the work. So. So as it stands right now, we're not being asked more than support of moving forward. Yeah, I think that, um, Shannon, I, I see your, your offer. 
Coyla, is there something, is there anything that you're asking of the advisory board, Derek Roger Parker, Rex Director? <laughs> besides with the presentation today, besides what's been asked. I think that's it, that we would well, like advisory board support to recommend to Parks and Recreation Department that we do look at budgeting for a comprehensive needs assessment and a maintenance plan then that is going onward to systematically address those needs. Right, and he, he, um, he, even if the money isn't there, as Mark said, the organizations, you know, can still follow some of it um, as to cleaning and that sort of thing and which ones are, uh, which areas are in most need um, you know, because we can get volunteers trained and, you know, to work in the cemetery, too. This is Marilyn Ho, board member. So I guess to communicate to you, um, uh, the Oak Hill group, we've been talking as an advisory board about um, a new comprehensive plan for the department. And it sounds like from what I'm hearing from staff, they're suggesting that what what you want be folded into that process. And so the timing of it would be related to the timing of that process. Right? Correct. Jackie Becker, Chair. So then we're probably not looking for a motion from us because this should be tied into the new comprehensive plan that's being written for Parks and Rec, or do we still need to do a motion of our support to add this into the comprehensive plan? Jackie, Roger Steinberg, liaison. I think it's whatever the board desires at this point. So if you wanna show your support to the group, I think they're probably looking for that um, to say that you support with their endeavors and what they're doing. And that's just kind of giving that stamp from the board saying that what they've done is good and what we'd like to see happen in the future. Uh, this is John Albanian, board member. What um, really uh, strikes me as important here is the collaboration between the friends of the city and the Watkins. And I think especially given the strategic plan that I'm sure embodies some of the goals of collaboration, that this could be a real, uh, who knows? I mean, it might, be a, it might be a star out there, an example of what can be done. Um, government, County <laughs> nonprofit sounds like a, a really a good initiative to me. Yeah, I just you know I just wanted to say we were very excited um, about the collaboration and it's just joining forces that'll help you know the cemetery the hopefully help Watkins and you know, everybody and make it um, a strong organization, a really strong organization. John Nalbandian again, it actually could end up as a case study. <laughs> Always the professor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd be kind of cool. I mean, uh, talking about examples of uh, implementing a strategic plan. Mm -hmm. 
Personally, I don't think we need a motion at this point. I think I mean, we're all on board, you're on board. Um, if, if, if the other board members want to have a motion, that's fine. I don't, I don't see it as... Doug Grunder, Director of Parks and Recreation, that I will review and, and make sure that it is in the, in the scope, which I think the scope, if I recall, does touch on all the outside organizations, not just one or, or the other. And it also includes reviewing all the, the plans within the city. Uh, so it's a pretty extensive list. Um, we've been working, trying to get that refined to get ready to put out an RFP. Marilyn Hall board, board member, I would like to thank all of you uh, with Friends of Oak Hill because it's uh, obvious from your presentation that you're doing a ton of good work. And it's work that, uh, you know, our staff that's maintaining this cemetery does not have the capacity to do. So you're really providing a great service for our community. And I, I just appreciate it very much. Great. Thank you. This is Pat Phelps, board member. I, I also want to thank you as well. I'm, I've learned so much um, through your presentation. And I think the history that goes on in Lawrence, the preservation of it is so essential. And the cemetery has so much of it. So I, I greatly support this. Thank you. Uh, Jackie Becker, Chair, I equally agree with this. And I said it last month, uh, I've learned so much. I live nearby. And I look forward to hopefully the, in terms of how we're able to preserve this cemetery, the research that can be found for people who can find their history there. And again, make it potentially something that could be really uniquely and unmistakably Lawrence in bringing people to our community to see the history that you're all working on with us. So uh, thank you, Friends of Oak Hill. Thank you, Steve. You know, it appreciated. Thank Any additional you. questions or comments? All right. Well, thank you all so very, very much. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right, moving on to our, our next uh, number two. I'm sure Mark Hacker's really thrilled about the final four and KU's victory last week, but uh, we have a final four power. Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation, Rock Chalk. Uh, city crews have been very, very busy these last few weeks from Sweet 16 to Elite Eight, Final Four, uh, to championship games, to parades. Uh, um, just can't say enough. Uh, Leading up prior to the parade of everything that all our city crews, our parks and rec staff, our municipal support organization staff, uh, fire, PD, medical, uh, they stood up an instant command that, that take care of these events, their late night events, their um, they're a higher level, level of um, safety than you may have on a normal event when you're talking 50,000 to 80,000 people coming downtown Lawrence. Um, We've come a long way since 1988 and uh, trying to keep people safe and doing a great job of it. And um, as a department director, I can say I'm very pleased with how well the city has done in, in keeping people safe and uh, allowing them to have a fantastic time downtown Lawrence, celebrate, 
yet really city staff should not be any part of that equation um, but the safety net's there and they just never know about it and I, I think the city did a phenomenal job there uh, cleanups are very interesting not it's taken a lot of our staff I know if we had staff come in after the first game was an unexpected I'm trying to think of that was sweet 16 the lead eight we weren't quite expecting that <laughs> yeah so the cleanup was a little more sporadic and uh, took a little more out of them. They usually come in around 1.30 or 2 to start cleaning up. Uh, sometimes that's difficult. The second one was like a 3 a.m. show, 5 a.m. cleanup. Um, and so they coordinate very well. They've got a great process. Uh, they'll blow the trash into the street after everybody's come home, got home and the bars are closed. Sweet sweepers come down and clean that up. And then they're back to replanting flowers and the, the tree planters. Um, <laughs> yeah, there, there's quite a bit that goes on. The instant command piece of it, I think we had a support from outside agencies, which helped make things very possible. Um, so, yeah, I just can't say enough about city staff and how well they, they work together. The parade, we kind of started working on that early, thinking that, you know, there's a possibility that we'll win and the sixth title, but everybody knows we did. Um, it's always one of those, okay, what if and whatnot. Um, KU for the parade is the event organizer. We're the support at this point. So um, the city collaborated and worked with KU as they organize the parade and yes you can do this you can't do this you have to do this over here so you may have noticed uh, people said fencing I saw fencing all the way down 6th street the map or to 19th down mass those are bicycle racks I don't know if you noticed that or not um, there were a couple uh, traffic there was one traffic management control company that uh, helped the city support staff do quite a bit of this for the safety um, to ensure that nobody got their feet run over. Yeah, they, some of the things that could happen if you didn't have a good, you know, people just kind of encroach it. So um, that went very well. You, you may have seen a, uh, one of the, the Jayhawks in quite a few pictures. I think he's, I have no, many, no idea how many thousands of pictures he was in. We put him first, it was one out of Explore Lawrence uh, at the Union Depot at 7th of Mass, and then that was a big hit. And then the next game, moved him over to uh, the owner's house, another great hit. And then um, he came down here for a week, and then well, he made it. And a lot of pictures were taken. I'm just watching all the kids and family that got the picture taken with him. But I uh, can't remember when those Jayhawks were made. How many years ago? It was a long time ago. <laughs> Four or five. So. Well, it wasn't that long. Yeah, I think they made 30. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, still quite a few of them around. Whatever happened to the John Brown? And He's around, I thought. The journal world had him. Okay, he was a cool one. Yeah. Um, so with that, I, I can't, I just can't say enough for, uh, I'm very impressed with the collaborations with KU and uh, everybody that worked for the city to make this happen. I'm going to pass the marks. That's a lot of it was his staff. That came in for the parks rec side. So Mark Everson, the director, I just echo everything Derek said. It's that his staff was working pre-event, post-event for four events in a row in two weeks. So it was a lot, and they were strained. And you know, it was kind of by the end, it's like, okay, good, good, we're done. And then the break came, so that became another huge event. So it, it was, you know, 
they all love working it. We worked with MSO staff, police staff, fire staff. So the whole city is involved in putting on these productions, we call them. So, you know, the final four party looks like it's just spontaneous, but huge amount of planning goes into allowing spontaneous to happen. So, and then cleaning up afterwards and doing normal downtown business tomorrow at eight o'clock. So, anyway, the staff did a great job. Yes. Jackie Becker, Chair. Obviously, I do events for a living and fantastic work. I got up early every day and rode my bike down and around and checked everything out. And and truly, you you really stepped it up. And there was just so much work to be done to pull something like this off. And I don't think as just a resident of Lawrence, you know, you didn't realize what was going on. It might have smelled a little bit like beer on Tuesday morning, but you, know, you can't control the smell. But there definitely wasn't any trash. So excellent work. Yes. Doug Rogers, Director of Parks and Rec. I appreciate all your comments and uh, support. And we're taking a sigh of breath and just trying to gear up for the next things. I think everybody's coming out after COVID and they're wanting to celebrate and be outdoors. Maryland Hall Board Member. Derek, I, I hope you will communicate to staff or Mark the advisory board's appreciation for them going above and beyond. Um, it's just was incredible moment of pride for our community and post pandemic. Um, it was even um, more special to everybody and for this community to have the ability to have these celebrations safely. It's just, um, I, I felt like the whole community's mood just got lifted up yeah. and um, that was huge. So thank you. Please thank the staff. Maybe this is John Nelbandian board member. Maybe we could do that more formally. Maybe we could actually have proposed like a, a proclamation uh, that would come from the advisory board to the city commission, uh, recognizing city staff for the work that they've done. Here, how would, how would people feel about that? I like that idea, John. This is Pat Phelps, board member. I like that idea. Uh, well, um, I'd be willing to work on that, but it'd be helpful if there was another uh, advisory board member who would jump in with that. Help me. I'll do that, John. Oh, good. Okay, we'll get some of that then. And I'll work with you guys too. Oh, okay. And Great. And I'll put together. Great. And then we can uh, have a parade. Thanks for staff. Thanks for the parade. Talk to uh, Craig and make sure you okay. Okay, that's what we can we'll do. Yeah, it's kind of the timing thing too. Uh, the commission's going to say something. We want yeah. the proclamation. Yeah. Yeah. The commission may just may already have something in mind. Then we can do something just with you guys too. We need yeah. To do sure. Definitely yeah, send it to the department. Yeah. Even a letter from the board would be good. <laughs> if that's. But we definitely know. want. So I'll check on the proclamation and I'll get back to yeah, you. Yeah. We definitely want city uh, right. parks and rec staff to to know the advisory board support. Right. Okay. And nobody climbed a streetlight, as far as I know. <laughs> no damage. You know, I'm Derek Rush, Park Sorak director. And one of the things I noted watching the news, they go, 
know, this is amazing. It's so peaceful. There's no cars being burned, nothing. <laughs> it, it's not what you see in other cities. And I think that says a lot about our community. Yeah. And, and that's really cool. Yeah. Well, the courtesy toes were smart. Not having, because I do remember in 08 where we parked downtown, not thinking yeah. that at game time, at, you know, the buzzer that all of a sudden you couldn't get your car out, you know. So that was all live and learn and applied. So well done. Mm -hmm. <laughs> We're going to tow it. We won't charge for it. Derek Rogers, director of Parks and Rec. And to that, it wasn't, I don't know about the parade, but the, the game before, I had heard that they towed four vehicles. And in confirming they didn't tow four vehicles, they were able to get a hold of all those owners. They came down and got their car. And so we had zero cars towed prior to the last game. So that was wow. right. So, yeah. Amazing. Okay, what's next? All right. So I think, uh, again, thank you and congratulations. And we're moving on to number three which is the Brook Creek Trail update. Well, for the, I think the third or fourth time, we've scheduled a tour for Brook Creek Trail. So it's tomorrow afternoon at four. So if anyone wants to tag along right now, we're still good. Supposed to thunderstorm, but we'll <laughs> how that goes. What's, where's the meeting? Third time's a charm. This yeah. is the third time we moved it. So hopefully it will. Just right there. Would you guys let me know yeah. if you move it, please? Yeah, it, it's kind of been kind of funny because every time we schedule this, it rains. So we're talking about trying to schedule those when we need rain in the future. And they'll be at the playground is right. what the meeting spot will be. Okay. And I guess I just need to know numbers of people that will be there just in case we do have a quorum. I don't think you're going. Are you planning on going? I'm going to check my schedule. Pat, are you planning on going this time? No, I, I won't, unfortunately. I have to work. Okay, okay. So we won't. Uh, Jackie Backer, I'm still going to try to make it, but I probably won't know until about noon tomorrow, Roger, so I'll let you know. You're okay, Jackie. We, okay. We're good. We don't have a quorum. Okay, perfect. Uh, and I will... Um, I will be there if another board member from Friends of Trails can't be there. Okay. Is that going to mess you up? Not at all. Okay. All right. Moving on to number four then is the uh, skateboard project. Okay. Derek Roger, Director of Parks and Recreation. I'll, I'll try to tee this up. We have uh, two individuals here from the Lawrence Gate Association, Justin Steiny and J.P. Redmond. Um, give a little bit of background and they can go into a lot deeper detail than I can. And I've had a lot of questions from board members. So there, uh, I know a lot of you are interested in this presentation. Can the existing half pipe, um, I call it a vertical ramp, even though it's a half pipe, but I'm not a skater. <laughs> we call it a mini ramp. A mini ramp, okay. <laughs> I thought it was pretty high, but anyway. Um, it was aging out, it's near the end of its useful life, and uh, it was something, an amenity that was well liked, I think, by the skating community. And LSA, who we've worked with for many years on other projects and collaborations, uh, took upon uh, their organization to fundraise and collaborate on a 
very cool vertical ramp. And I'm going to tee it up there and let them speak a little more about it. And Roger, I don't know if we, did you have a graphic or something you would like? I didn't bring any graphics. Okay. Um, I don't know who would like to speak first, just state your name or what I was walking into. <laughs> um, Justin Shiny here. Um, so we basically, we lost a friend who was a vert skater and by skating vert, talk about riding up on completely vertical surfaces. And so we decided we wanted to build a vert ramp in his memorial. And vert ramps are usually 10 to 14 feet tall. And we decided to do something on the lower side at 11 and a half. The ramp's gonna be 30 feet wide and steel frame, and it'll be something that doesn't exist anywhere in the Midwest, really. Closest ramps would be Louisville, Kentucky, and um, Colorado Springs. So it would be something that would kind of set us apart from all the other cities around, and opportunity for people to travel here to skate it, and it's a type of skating that doesn't really get to happen. So big opportunity for everybody around here. Um, we started a fundraiser, which about six weeks, eight weeks out right now. And we've already got $20,000. Wow. Awesome. And it just continues to climb every day. We've got some big events coming up next couple months, so that'll help too. We haven't done any in-person events yet, so it should be good for us. And the, the ramp project, we kind of talked, when we talked with you guys, it was about $100,000, give or take. Um, the ramp itself was 57 and 6,000 for the surface. And then whatever we need for the foundation slab. So I think we kind of settled on $50,000 as a goal for fundraising. Parks and Rec would help out with slab and maybe some other things. So yeah, we're just pushing for 50 and maybe more. Just kind of see how it goes. Well. Yeah, it, it really is. It's impressive. Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Um, we've done multiple collaborations. This is a Centennial Park. I probably just uh, mentioned that before. Um, and we've talked, I, I've talked with uh, John and Mandy a little bit about the perceptions of uh, <laughs> Centennial Park over the years. It was established in 1954 um, from a park that was way out in the middle of nowhere. And, um, people would go, well, put that at Centennial Park. And now Centennial Park is kind of the showcase of a, yeah. an identifiable park. When you come to the central exit off of I-70 into Lawrence, everybody knows where Centennial is. Uh, so it seems to be a premier park that people want something that we had a destination park. I think that would definitely be a destination park if you think about it. And so if you have a vertical ramp that is the nearest ones at Colorado Springs, 540 miles away. That's going to draw 
a crowd to Lawrence now. Are they coming to Lawrence and going to spend the night for two nights, three nights? Don't know, but I think it is a unique piece of equipment in the Midwest that will draw a lot of different users, I would think, uh, to Lawrence that are going to enjoy or a mistakeable identity and spend their dollars here, whether it's for lunch or dinner and uh, just being part of our culture and community <laughs> in downtown Lawrence. Uh, you know, there'll, there'll be some, some costs with the slabs and collaboration and uh, we can have further discussions. We were thinking that you guys would raise some funds for the ramp and then we would do all that uh, concrete and did bricks as a fundraiser that you're running and we'll figure that out. Um, we're getting closer and you guys are making outstanding progress. I would turn it over to the, the board to ask questions of these two gentlemen, so. Uh, John Albandian, board member. So in the 90s, I was on the city council, city commission, and that's when we first, um, you know, authorized yeah. the skateboard, the skate park. The Centennial or Virgin? Centennial. Centennial. And, and we were very apprehensive because it was those guys, <laughs> you know, put it, put it, put it somewhere where people won't run across it and say, it's down in the valley. Yeah. yeah, but it's been such a transition, you know, now it's like, oh, this would be great. And it's tourist attraction. It's just amazing how sentiments can change over time. Yeah. Um, JP uh, Redmond, LS7. Um, yes, to add to that, I think skateboarding in general is just so huge now you see it everywhere and um we're um lsa is actually trying to do a lot at the moment and i want to i'll just give like a, a little rundown of um other projects we're involved in um well there like hasn't ever been a skate park east of iowa even um so we we and um edgewood park um um we built a park there uh before the pandemic and the, the, the pandemic kind of put a halt on some of those operations, but it is so widely used and it's a really good place for beginners. And um, we definitely um, we get a lot of positive feedback about Edgewood and we, we have in plans um, and, and our project there um, that is, um, it's like, um, uh, Nick Nick Ward, it's it's his deal. He couldn't be here today, but he it, um, um, I did get a, a little update from him, and it's going to be happening. And they've like a lot of a large part of the design is all already done, and he um, uh, you know included folks in the community to to like get these designs made, and he has to choose the colors, and he's gonna like work with the kids and like do do the whole thing. I mean it's. You know, there's lots of art there, some of which, um, you know, it, the whole like what's art, what's graffiti thing is, it, <laughs> it's a fine line, but when you like uh, get the kids involved and they can basically do what they want to there, I mean, I think it uh, stands a chance of like lasting longer. Um, so that's, that's what, that's what's going on east of Iowa, and we, we do plan on um, 
adding to it. There's definitely enough there to have a flow and call it good for a while during the pandemic, but um, we are working on that. Also looking to get Centennial Park um, to actually uh, get the existing park there finished because there's a there's an unfinished part of it and hoping that that um, gets gets into the budget as well. And Director, Director of Parks and Recreation, Mark can expand on, on, we do have two CIP items submitted by the department in collaboration with uh, LSA. And so that's the first piece of getting something from either public input or department of collaboration to the next stage to eventually uh, make it into uh, potentially the city manager's budget to present to the city commission. Um, and so Mark was kind of filling me in on how that process is going. And uh, it sounds like uh, the city is still in review and it's, it's here to go back in color and uh, reevaluate. <laughs> but uh, one of them would be for 2023. Uh, Mark, you'd have to refresh my memories. I've got too many things running through my mind with the uh, numbers and project would encompass. Yeah, so what we've done is in, in the CIP, we've proposed two projects. So one in 2023 for $250,000, another one in 2027 for $300,000. So we're looking at a phased implementation, trying to get it where it's maybe something that'll get approved. So you know, if we just go in and throw in a half million dollars, as chances are we may not get approved, but we're in early in the process. So basically everyone in the city has submitted what they would like to do. We don't know if we'll get approval or not, but we're going to give it a try. But what it will do is what these guys were talking about is finish that back section of the park and add to the north and south ends. So it'll make it a, a much bigger park and a better park. So, mm -hmm. Which parks are we talking about? The Centennial Skate Park is down below the hill. Yeah. So it's been redone a couple of times. Oh, okay. So, you know, it started basically the tennis court. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the ramps were put on corners and the surfacing wasn't really improved much. And then uh, 2012, 2012, we did a $100,000 improvement that did uh, half, maybe not even half of the park, where we went in and laid new concrete over it, put new ramp features in. But it left kind of the, the south and east sides off of that with the thought we would be coming back to finish it. And uh, it's been 10 years since we came back. so. Yeah, it's time to maybe see if we can push that along a little bit. So we appreciate you guys helping that trip. All the, the local skaters, you too. Yeah. Jackie Becker, Chair. I just have a couple of questions. Uh, first off, JP uh, and Justin, nice to see you. And uh, never thought we'd all be at a meeting like this together back from 20 years ago when we did Podstar and Touchdown. Uh, events yeah. at the bottleneck to raise money for the skate park. Um, mm -hmm. This is mm -hmm. more exciting. I wanted to know uh, when your timeline goal was with uh, getting to the $50,000 since this looks like it's 2023. And then how are things working with the um, disc, with the disc golfers there too? Is everything copacetic and, and working well in terms of adding this new big project to the park? Um, yeah, Justin Shining here. The disc golfers, we've I've spoke with them and they're having a meeting here 21st or 23rd, I think. And they're gonna discuss 
all the options at their meeting and get back to us. But I think that we came up with a pretty reasonable plan that everybody will be happy with. But they, they're very helpful and easy to work with. So we'll, we'll get it all figured out with them, no problem, I think. And um, timeline. We're on timeline. We're like, the, I mean, there's not really a timeline for the, the Burt Rand fundraiser. It's just kind of as soon as we can get to 50. But I'm hoping personally that we'll get there at least by summer and get the ball rolling on that. With um, all the events happening, I mean, we've got like, like a number of resources there for sure. Um, like this, it seems to be that there's like a new event popping up every every couple weeks, and um, you're gonna have like uh, some like in, in um, uh, at, at your shop. I mean, are you, even, are you gonna do like a like a, uh, like a contest in the parking lot or uh, um, things like that? Like no plans for any contests at the shop, but okay. We have the, the centennial contest coming up in May on the 14th that we haven't promoted yet, but that's that's in the works. And whatever event we'll have, we'll like have a booth and we'll be yeah. pushing for that. That. But um, you have the, the big thing at the end of the. We're doing the, a big fundraiser for on the final Friday of April, April 29th, which will just be kind of a shop party where we have drinks and food and then you can also come in and since we have a screen printing operation you can come in and have t-shirts printed like right in front of you with multiple different designs why don't you think um, one saturday of having a display at the farmer's market that's a great idea i think i mean you give people you know, Kind of neat. Letting people know what's going on. Yeah. Um, Amber Nickel, board member. So I have a couple questions too. Can you tell us, like, who do you see at the uh, skate park? Like, just kind of paint the the visual of like who's using it and how has it changed and what surprises you now about who's using the skate park? JP uses it more than I do. Who you see? Yeah, I get around to like various one, even Holcomb. Um, there's yeah, there's like a wide variety, and it's not that surprising to me. But because of um, um, the you know Holcomb is like really spread out. Edgewood, because of just having more skate parks in Centennial and more places for people to learn how to skate, you definitely see a lot of adults um, learning how to skateboard along with their kids or they'll be on skates. Um, I mean, I, I know, uh, uh, I don't know her very well, but I know of uh, Jennifer Ananda. I see her at Edgewood DIY all the time um, on, on, on her skates. And I mean, there, there's a lot more just like in, in, in enthusiasts. Mm -hmm. um, I think skateboarding is as, because it's ever been and it's it's in the Olympics and it's for it's a hobby for people of all ages. And I've seen a lot more people on longboards. Um, is that and so we're on that with the trail and the loop and things like that. Do you is that 
What are your thoughts about? We don't see longboards at the skate park, right? But at the skate shop, we sell a mm -hmm. lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I people see. are using them. They're riding. They're yeah. It's transportation. Using for transportation. Mm -hmm. I think like one of the first things that always comes to mind is that uh, concrete path that leads down from the parking lot at Centennial from the rocket ship all the way to the skate park. Um, maybe some kind of a path, like maybe that path strays a bit and you get kind of like a longboard track, mm -hmm. you know, that could be an idea. Um, we've um, stippled all sorts of ideas about, um, you know, how we can in in incorporate a, a, um, like s spots like that in various parks around town and like, maybe have s some more um, geared towards longboards, um, you know, as possible, but also even just like the big um, wide like bike trail, concrete bike trails that already exist. I think that the longboarders are using those yeah. right now. Yeah. Um. Back to the, the usage thing, there's multiple events that we've been hosting, helping with over the last couple of years, uh, including the new Indigenous skate team. Hmm. We've got lots of Indigenous children that are coming out skating for the first time and trying to create a safe space for them, mm -hmm. um, as well as last year when we did the, this skate group for these shelter kids that needed an organized skate event to be able to be a part of. So there's been lots of new kids at the skate park for stuff like that yeah. recently, which has been great. It's been many years that I would take my son on his little scooter because he wanted to go and, you know, act like a big kid. But I was always impressed that it wasn't, you know, the 90s that I remembered, you know, it was pretty more diverse group. Yeah. More girls, yeah. more girls. So I thought that was interesting. My last question is, um, have you visited these other <laughs> vertical parks in Colorado Springs or what, what do you know about them? What is, can we find information about? Um, there, there's information. What information do you mean? I guess like, do they draw people and like, what does it look like? How do people use it? Is it incredibly dangerous? Like what? <laughs> what? I have no idea what it. I've gotten some statements from other communities. The Arvada, Colorado Parks and Rec. They they reached out and said what the benefit their skate park yeah. has been for them. Um, but as far as the vertical ramps go, it's it's really hard to talk to anybody in Louisville. But, I mean, I've vertical ramps, they're kind of a thing of the past. Gotcha. And we're all struggling to keep alive. I gotcha. Okay. So I grew up skating them. Love them. <laughs> but I don't know if you've seen the new Tony Hawk documentary. It's like, it's all, it's, I mean, I, I think it's Vert is making a comeback and kind of along the lines of the destination part, like it just kind of seems to add up to me. Um, it'd be like, you know, it's like within 500 miles would be the only one. Um, and yeah, I think it's the right idea.
I think it's cool. And I think what I would be more excited about is back to that like collaboration thing. If you make it an art piece too, and you get the collaboration of the art community, and now it's this whole experiential thing to come see, that's um, pretty exciting. Oh, that would be. You know? So I like it. I'm excited for you guys. I'll be at your I'll be at River Ramp making shirts and throwing money in a jar or something. <laughs> um, I, I think one one thing that could really like set all this in motion in the right way would be to I don't know if if Parks and Rec had a um, skateboarding program like with a manager because um, I get a lot of people asking um, about lessons yeah. and especially with the vert ramp and especially with like how like widespread um, skateboarding is now, I think it might be a good time to like implement something like that along with this um, to just kind of like show kids the right way to do it and mm -hmm. like, you know. Good idea. I agree with that. Yeah, there's a couple people in town that have been doing lessons, but it seems it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to like organize all that on top of like, um, yeah. LSA and I'm trying to add on to Edgewood. How many members are in LSA approximately? About eight. And it's kind of a bit of a revolving door, but, um, and, you know, and especially during the pandemic and things, but yeah. So I'm going to skate in on a Friday or Saturday night, nice weather. I mean, maybe we just say we're out of Centennial Park on a, just a summer night. Oh, man. We should really keep tallies. I I've been out there and I've seen it really busy on some of those nights. I'm yeah, just curious. It can get packed like any, any park in town. I mean, I, uh, Deerfield especially, like, there's a whole another little area over there. And it's it's really tiny, and if you get one, just a few on there, it's it's like there's some buildup. But yeah, I can definitely tell it's Centennial. Um, it's crowded. So if we did a learn to skate class, do you guys have instructors? I can think uh, we could find some. Like if Lindsay advertises a session for the summer, I, th I think you would around. Yeah. yeah. I think you would need like a, a, a manager who's who skates and like no, you know, mm -hmm. like someone like that to like really make it happen. But I would be happy to facilitate. Well, yeah, I can get to do that. Yeah. I've met people that work for arts and rec departments teaching skate lessons in other cities. They they love their job. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, Jackie Becker, do, can you name any of those cities? Because it would be good for us to be able to kind of look what these other cities have provided so then we can hopefully equal or do better quality of service. Silverthorne, Colorado okay. was one. Um, else? We can most recent one. We'd be fine. Derek Roger, Director of Parks and Rec. I, I will say this. Um, 
exercise requiring rolling devices. So I'm going to say roller skates, roller blades, skateboards, longboards, uh, probably razors, the unit cycles. Mm -hmm. um, there is a lot of interest in those groups. And if you went out here, I think it might have been Monday night um, before, at around five before the game, we had the street closure. There were two ladies that we we've worked with before that probably rode a roller skate loop quite a bit. Um, they're full of roller derby or well protected. <laughs> um, um, they were they were at least my age or around my age. Um, they're very good at what they do, and, and so I'm also meeting with other people that have an interest on, on roller skating. And I know roller skaters and bicyclists sometimes use the Centennial Skate um, products, but I also know the loop probably gets a lot of use too. So. I'm putting little features along the loop. I know, like in Ottawa, it's a part of the Prairie Spirit Trail that goes through Ottawa. They've placed little parks or you know, specific features kind of off the trail and then people can get there and then do their thing and get back. Any other questions or comments for JP and Justin? All right, thank you both and uh, definitely, yeah. Uh, continue to raise some money and keep checking in with us. Obviously, you work pretty closely with Parks and Rec right now and just keep that up. And yeah, definitely April 29th sounds pretty great at the skate shop too to get some t-shirts. I like it. Thank you. Thanks. Okay. Uh, moving on to number five is department transformations. Okay, Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Um, Roger, I can forward that uh, uh, chart to you if you want to use it. What now? I, I did forward a, a chart if you want to use it. If not, not a big deal. I can just talk to it. No. I don't know. Okay, I'll just talk to it. With the uh, strategic plan, um, when we the city first adopted, the strategic plan. Um, there was a lot of ask from the different departments for resources to transition to meet the, to meet the outcome areas, and ours is unmistakable identity. Um, we were given the guidance that internally we can transform within our existing resources to help improve that. Parks and Recreation took advantage of that and is continuing to transform to meet the unmistakable identity outcome area. Um, a couple things that we did in particular to this was how do we address um, events? And that was something that we took on without additional resources and, and Roger has done a phenomenal job of uh, wearing many different hats and has for many years on doing marketing and running rec track and trying to do events and right now some events are stepping up. So we were able to take some positions to specialize in events both internally for community events and externally with the um, public events. So we have two positions on this out for bid or for uh, applicants on the street right now, and there are communications and event 
coordinators, and they will work under a communications and event manager, which is Roger Steinbrock. Um, he's, his title's been changed, and we've worked forms there. And so he'll be a division under um, the director, and it goes that way. The director signs for the city manager as the designee, and, and the way the events run, that's where it is now. Um, so we're really excited. We've been training water, and I know uh, the city manager keeps going, you know, three years, where are we going to be? And I'm excited that we're getting there. I know some people probably think that land in the tunnel is a train, but I think it truly is. We're going to come out the other side. We're going to be in a lot better place, and we'll be able to provide outcomes that are really nice. Um, so I'm very excited. And then on the recreational side, we have done uh, some neat things. I'm going to let Lindsay assistant director for rec speak a little bit about some of the changes and, and we're working on the rec yeah. uh so i think the last time we spoke i mentioned that we had two positions open one was for uh recreation operations manager and the other one was going to be a um recreation analyst and we we um, posted the positions at the same time and put applications out and we began interviews for the operations manager position and quickly realized that we had two really good candidates who could be two recreation managers and absorb the analyst duties. <laughs> and uh, after working closely with Mark and Derek, uh, we we put in the requests and we, we reorganized just a little bit. And so we were able to hire uh, two positions. So now we have a two manager structure, which we're really excited about. Uh, and in doing so, we moved the nature center from the park side and moved it under the rec side. Uh, that works well with programming. Um, they do summer camps. There's just a lot of, uh, you know, consistency there that we felt made more sense on the recreation side. And uh, we also moved the golf course under one of our managers, again, to just kind of create a more consistent flow under the manager uh, system instead of reporting directly to an assistant director. So, um, so those two new staff actually started, um, one of them started today. Uh, and so he's brand new. Um, he came to us from Olathe and his name is Kent Reddig. And then our other manager was actually an internal promotion, Annette Deghand, who's been with us for 30 years. And so we're really excited. Um, and I think those two are going to work really well in their respective positions. And so uh, the, the division is split a little bit um, with all the different supervisors and program areas. Uh, so we think we have a, a good plan and uh, we're really excited to have those positions filled and, and get things up and running. Great. And just uh, talk a little bit about priorities and, and what can we get done. Um, some of the things, my big goals, we're going to be very busy for the next two years. Uh, accreditation. And so Kent Reddick as a manager is going to be able to focus on that internal policies. We do a great job of running on tradition and we need more written policies. So I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to be busy. Uh, he's taken on the track like Lindsay was saying, which is going to free up some of Roger's time to be more specialized in what he's doing, which is still going to be a multiple task. Um, the comprehensive mass, um, the comprehensive plan is another big one. And again, we're close. Uh, we've been going back and forth our contracting procurement officer, I believe. And so we're, we're getting close to that one. So that's the next one. 
submittal for the uh, the gold medal award, which is probably going to come right after accreditation and the comprehensive master plan, and then go for the gold medal and the gold medals. There's the two year plan. But then we we'll have a break. <laughs> yeah, then we have a break. <laughs> <laughs> and the seventh title. So um, a, lot of, a lot of big goals, a lot of big visions. And I think we're going to have the capacity to, to try to get this knocked out, but we're going to be busy. A comprehensive plan, uh, I, I think you were involved. I don't know who on this call was involved with. Mm. Were you on, did you work on the last Pat Phillips. Phillips. That's it. The other Pat, that's yeah, on not here team. anymore. And I know it took a lot of staff time, a lot of public. It, it was it was a beast. And I think that's coming again. Roger, I think, was involved in Mark quite a bit. So I don't know what kind of beast I'm looking at. Maybe that's why, <laughs> <laughs> why I'm excited. Uh, but I know it's going to be a time consumer. Derek, can you make the old org chart and the new org chart available to us? Uh, online would be fine. Sure. I think Mark probably has we have every version since 98. <laughs> well, I just yeah. like to know the latest and the one before. Yes, and, and on the, the uh, park side, that's changed quite a bit too. It has. It has. We used to have a four manager structure, now we're down to three. So technically, Lindsay stole one of my managers, but I'm not bitter. So. <laughs> but you brought it up. Yeah, yeah. but it's not, not a source of it, but I brought it up. Wow. And um, unfortunately, Mark needs to run, or fortunately, because he's got some exciting news with the North Lawrence Improvement Association Neighborhood Association meeting, which I'll be at since we complete our meeting. We're just starting design of the Lions Park Spray Park. So nice. oh, good meeting with them. So good. Yeah, awesome. we'll see what they're interested in. How much does it cost to do a spray park? Four hundred thousand dollars, right? Oh, that much. Yeah, that's okay. about where we're at. So okay. We'll yeah. see. It depends on how many bells and whistles you want. But they're a little expensive. <laughs> with recycling the water is the big expense to be environmentally friendly. Whereas if you were just going to flush the water down the drain, a whole lot cheaper. So yeah, we're, we're working our commitment area and sustainability. So yeah, we're raising the bar high. Are there any questions from the board? Crickets. All right. <laughs> well, that, that just means we can continue to move down the list and uh, we're up to E right now, which is the uh, other items of interest for our board. So if there's any comments from our board right now on, on things since the last month, now's the time to chat. Uh, John Nalbandian, um, I had a conversation the other day with some former city managers and we were talking about um, I think we're talking about Royals, the Royals and the, and the Chiefs and the naming of the stadiums, you know, and it's like everything, right? Everything has a corporate name now. I mean, it's just been ridiculous. <laughs> you know, so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. But anyway, I was thinking that, um, that I think the public is probably more, uh, amenable to, uh, you know, if, if we said, oh, we're going to name blah, 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 I mean, people wouldn't be up in arms the way we we used, we used to be. But they said something very interesting. They said that 
What really works on getting public support for naming of like buildings and stuff is if the money goes to a specific project that people would, you know, like the splash park, <laughs> you know, LMH is going to give them two hundred thousand dollars to have their name or LMH their symbol on the sports com, you know, on the sports complex. Um, we're going to use that money for the splash park, or something like that. Yeah, but, uh, Derek Rogers, director of Parks Recreation. Uh, thank you for the information. Something keeping our our back pocket. I hadn't, hadn't thought about that other than you know in other fundraising events like uh, KU Alumni Association when they do buildings and things and how they do that. So it's good information. Mm -hmm. Thing is, this is Marilyn Hull. Um, getting something like that to happen takes a lot of staff time. And I, I'm not sure if the current administrative structure has somebody whose job is to, you know, entrepreneurial lease seek sponsorships. I don't know, without that, how do you make it happen? You contract it out. But didn't we do that on the. Uh, didn't we do that on the sports pavilion and it was sort of controversial? Yeah, see, but I don't, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I think the timing now, people will not, I don't know how, whether they wouldn't be of the same, you know, we don't want, we don't want to name blah, 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 blah. Yeah, it, it, it'd be interesting to see. I, that was in the last master plan as a recommendation. I don't know if it was in the 2000 that C, Sponsorship and naming rights. So. No. Well, I know when we worked on the naming policy, it was a separate issue, right? Because it was sponsorship right. versus naming. So I think based because of the sports pavilion, right? <laughs> Is that basically why it was yeah. separated out? Yeah. Well, I don't know if the current commission, city commission, is. Uh, where they stand on it, but the current commission at that time, I think there was quite a bit of sensitivity to putting names on buildings that taxpayers were putting the majority of the bill for. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but you know, like, want to buy it? I'm it, saying I agree with that. If I was making a presentation to the city council, what I would start with is I would just start with a list, and I would name blah 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 centers, the blah, blah, blah center, all the centers that people would recognize, you know, like in in Kansas City, <laughs> and that would be my intro. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and work on that presentation? <laughs> uh, Jackie Becker, Chair, um, as Roger knows, we did do some research on this before COVID. With uh, with one of our side groups that we had for a long time, and there's just so many things to consider. And I, I would like to stress probably before you know we think about sponsorship and naming rights that we definitely need to feel out our community, and and engage them first. I think to make sure that there's public interest, and then we can, you know, figure out maybe if we're going to look into things like naming. You know what our our city is comfortable with. You know, so yeah, that's exactly it. The presentation is it naming a park? Is it naming? That's very separate from naming the sports pavilion or a splash pad or something. So yeah, but see, that's why I say in the abstract, 
it's probably more difficult than if you said, this is the project we're trying to fund. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. This is Val or no board member. I get, I, I agree with all of that. I just think having worked at KU for a long time, I know there's a whole endowment association devoted to those. <laughs> kind of, I just don't know that we have the staff, you know, to do do we need a volunteer one or two of us on the board maybe to say oh well we'll go approach so and so about the splash park I, I you know I love the idea I just logistically with our staff numbers it doesn't it seems like it falls down to the to the bottom and and that makes sense um, and we did also have some stuff in the naming policy about you know trying to make sure we didn't name for someone who then would come out a few years later having, you know, done something horrible, you know, like some of those things that have happened publicly. But um, so I think it would be great. I'm all for the naming. I just don't really see how it's going to happen. Um, well, I'm all for somebody paying for something to get built and then honoring them by letting them say that it's the elevator flash pad. But I agree that I think that it would have to always be just on like, I mean, the vertical ramp could be a prime example of how something like that could work. Absolutely. You know, if it wants to be the river rat vertical ramp, mm -hmm. pay for it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It they're doing a Derek Rogers Director of Parks, right? They're doing a, a fundraising memorial. with memorial oh, with the bricks. So like the KU alumni did around uh, Amblers, I bought some bricks up there and I'll, I'll probably buy bricks around the vertical ramp just because I think it's a it's a neat idea. Mm -hmm. And so they sold different sizes, and you can put whatever you want their name. And so there is that is a great way to get collaboration with the community. Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to raise the funds. They're, what's the percentage of a match that varies? But that is cool. They're bringing money to the table that all of a sudden that we wouldn't have the funds to do this, or it wouldn't be our high priority. When they start to bring money to the table, it right. becomes a priority. Right. So, yeah. Um, and I'm hoping that the uh, the comprehensive plan identifies, you know, where where we have shortfalls in the community uh, with amenities, whether it be rec centers or splash pads or parks. Right. Um, no different than when the fire department does their um, mm -hmm. facility assessments. Where, where do we have holes? Where's what's their timing? So I, I think we've developed fairly far out west. I, I think that was identified in some of our others that we have deserts of areas and even North Lawrence is kind of a desert area if you look at it for rec centers. So not bringing good answers to the table, but bringing lots of questions and that's the beauty of bringing a consultant in that gets fresh eyes to look at our community and engage the public. Any other board thoughts, comments on anything else right now? Jackie? Yeah, John. This is John Blasey, uh, board member. I'm sorry I'm late on this. I'm just answering a lot of texts. So Derek, let me double check. You hired two more managers, one from Olathe and one in town. Is the Olathe person moving here or is that gonna be another person that's gonna spend our tax money that has no interest in Lawrence? Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I have no idea what their um, 
Yeah, if they're going to move to Lawrence or not, it is not a requirement under city policy to live in Lawrence. Um, I think you would probably see the COVID change that too on com composition and competition for positions in city government. So the question I asked two months ago, because I was gone last month, doesn't really make sense. We can't have volunteers on this committee that don't live in town or in the community but we can have employees live in other towns. Tell me how that balances out. I've just got a lot of people upset like I am with people making decisions on finances out of the rec department that don't live here, don't have any buy-in. So how's that balance out? You can't let a volunteer, but you can hire people and make six figures. Please explain so I can pass this on to people. Uh, John, this is John now, John, that's not a parks and rec issue. That's a citywide issue. And John, I didn't ask you. I asked Derek. Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I, I agree. It's a city issue on I didn't write the policy, which is a city policy on membership of boards and commissions of the city government. To your, your second point, it's not a six-figure salary for a manager, I don't believe. I'd have to check that, but, um, and third, at some point, don't you want the best candidate for the job doing the best for the community? Or is it having somebody that maybe isn't the best candidate working for the city that lives in Lawrence? Well, you'd like to have somebody know the city of Lawrence and people know them. We're paying them, it's that simple. I'll take it up further up the chain. Thank you. Okay. Any other comments, thoughts, interests for the board right now? All right, if not, we can move on to F, which is other. And number one is park naming. It's still a legal. We never got a response. Either. Okay. And Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. We've had the inquiry up the legal and they've had other things on their plate and they haven't got the policy reviewed, or I don't know where it is in the queue to get back to us yet for the naming policy that is somewhere followed up on. All right, then our next one would be moving on to the uh, recreation division report. Yeah, Lindsay Hart, Assistant Director. Um, hopefully you're all able to read the uh, report that we submitted. As you can see, we're very busy and doing a lot of great things, a lot of great programming. Uh, we were able to participate in the St. Patrick's Day Parade float, and I think it was a great team building experience for our staff. And kind of like Marilyn talked about earlier, was just a great event for the community, and, and we were really happy to be a part of that. So we had a great time and really enjoyed doing that. And we'll continue that tradition. And yay for the trees. <laughs> and the, tree, Andy. the trees were a big hit. We're gonna probably double or triple the amount of trees that we give out next year. We were, it only took about one block and we were out. So <laughs> we'll have to pace ourselves a little better next time. Um, I think for us, staffing and hiring continue continues to be our biggest challenge. Uh, we're still, you know, we have a big push for aquatics staff and uh, even in our sports divisions, um, I think you maybe saw in the report, but even just with softball and 
some of our uh, spring programming, we're just really struggling getting people on board. So uh, we're just really pushing hard for that and uh, doing everything we can to recruit more staff. So that's kind of our big focus right now. Otherwise, that's it, unless anybody has any questions. And Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. I'll pick up the uh, Park Division report. Uh, Veterans Park Playground is in, finally, I just put it that way. We've had a lot of concerns from the neighborhood. Um, the recap, we ordered the equipment, it should have came in, it did come in last fall, to put the playground in, to find out they mixed parts from two different playgrounds, so it didn't work. After we'd already torn up the park, we're ready to install, and so there it sat. So then you order back to the company, and parts come on a uh, slow boat, from halfway around the world. And so we didn't get the parts in until later, so we got them in in the winter, but now we gotta wait till it's at least warm enough to pour concrete and set the posts. Uh, so I, I know the uh, neighborhood around Veterans Park has been anxiously waiting and has been upset that the park has kind of been torn up, has been torn up for, since last fall. Uh, the good news is the playground is in place. The poles were uh, poured. Uh, we still need to pour the rubber sub-base. Um, I don't have a date on that, um, but I am excited to, to see that coming to fruition. And I know a lot of people uh, use that park in the neighborhood and a lot of young kids. So I'm, um, I am empathetic to the neighborhood and I know they've been without a park and playground for a while. So uh, we're getting there. Beast form box installation. Uh, we got the MOU signed the other day. The gentleman is off and running. He's very excited. April 6th was his first day. Of, not because of the bees. He's not off and running because of the bees. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so um, I know he's getting the boxes up. He has uh, the ability and, and the letters. I don't know if they'll ask him questions what he's doing, but he's super excited to get going on this project. <laughs> it's a cool project. It is, yeah, be very excited to see how that goes. Uh, the capital improvement plan project update, I um, shared a little bit earlier, right before this meeting, Mark informed me that everything we had submitted for review among various departments, because they're all review the projects, they go push the bags and go rescore and, and do it again, because we need apples to apples on the scoring so that they can evaluate. Um, so I, that's all the update I really have on that at this point. Um, it's still in process. And that's all I have on the perks update. Derek, John, now, Benny, what is the relationship between the capital improvements budget, um, however that works, and the comprehensive plan? So Derek Rogers, Parks and Rec Director, you Curious, is the comprehensive plan in the capital improvement project? No. I mean, I'm, I'm used to, okay, there's a capital improvements plan, which is all these projects, and then there's a capital improvements budget, which lays out when and if and when. Do we have, are we in that same format or? I'm not sure where we are with the budget on that. So I, that's better to mark question. <laughs> so I can't answer. Okay. I would like to know 
that relationship. How many of those things every year get funded? Yeah, I don't know if there is a designated number for the capital improvement budget that you speak of. Um, I've never, I've always heard of the, the plan and they try to fund as much as they can, but I don't know what the bottom line dollar is for that budget. So there, oh, that's weird. Director Parks and I think it may tie to is it a capital improvement project that's tied to the general fund, or is it going to be a debt issue project? So let's say right. remodel the, the outdoor swimming pool if it's four million or six million dollars. Probably a debt financed. We got to do it. Our new fire truck. It's a, probably that versus a general fund. I would think. Um, and ultimately, I think that decision belongs to the, uh, the finance director on his recommendations on how should these projects be funded, what's a need. Yeah, I think I'm used to capital improvements budget being uh, issuance of debt. So I remember, like we said, okay, there's a $3 million cap. This was way back when on what we can borrow annually. But I'm sure they probably still do that. I just, I, I'm struggling to know, because I, I haven't been as detailed with the budget like Mark has these past few years. I, I do recall something like we had over $300 million in ASK in a CIP, yet what gets funded. So it shows yeah. the giant need. Yeah, right. What is right there yeah, to be funded. Okay. We'll find out more for you next time. Oh, yeah, I don't tune in next I time. I don't need a lot of details. <laughs> I'm just curious. You know yeah, exactly John, John, I was going to say that I feel like this is definitely a Mark Hacker thing, and he could probably explain it a lot more. But he is, you know, obviously talking about splash pads in North Lawrence right now. So, you know, I know we get these CIPs, and there's a budget, and then we kind of know what Parks and Rec is working with, but we're still in that interim part. It appears like right now, so. Hopefully Mark will be around next month and can hopefully answer some more of those questions with that. Roger, did you want to move on to your director's report then also? Or is that connected to everything you've already just discussed? Derek Rogers, Director of Parks Recreation. I'm trying to think of what we didn't cover because <laughs> everything has been a blur trying to get, get everything done for the KU celebrations. and. I kind of like the finance director has talked about how many days straight he's been working. I think for a lot of our city staff, it's been the same way. It's just been continuous. So. Well, I don't think you guys and ladies know just how much this man works. Uh, if you drive by South Park, the lights on and his Jeep's out front <laughs> at all nights and hours of the, of the week, including the weekends. I don't know if his wife's trying to tell him something or not. I <laughs> but uh, uh, I would say that he does a yeoman's work for, for the community and he puts in a lot, a lot of time. So uh, kudos to my. I will wife. add that I am always impressed of where I see you out. Yeah. Seeing what's going, you know what I mean? Like you're on the trails or you're at an event or you're checking out the park. So thank you. So yeah, very proud of director. I appreciate that. and. I do see light at the end of the tunnel by where we're going with this org structure that I can start to spread the workload out and be more efficient and effective as we do things in the community and get things done. So.
Val Renault, I'm sorry, I just want, maybe this is a appropriate time. I just wanted to jump back in because I didn't want to uh, leave my comments as being very negative, but as we're talking about what Derek does and Roger does um, on the naming, on that whole naming issue, I'm just thinking that they are the people who are supposed to ask for those um, gifts, according to the sponsorship thing we worked on, wasn't it, Jackie and Roger, the whole naming thing? They're, Derek is supposed to ask for gifts among above what, 100,000 or something like that. And then there were levels of who could ask for the gift. Isn't that right, Roger? Well, it's more about acceptance, Val. Um, about what? Acceptance of gifts. So if okay. anything over a certain level, the city commission would be the ones that say, okay. we'll accept the sponsorship for this. So I guess I'm just coming back to the whole staff issue and just saying, could, could we or do we need to create a halftime position? I know John Nalbandian mentioned, you know, giving it to a consultant, but as it is right now, Derek and Roger don't have so much else on their plates that to set up the task of asking someone to name a splash park or to name a vertical, you know, thing at the skate park. I just wanted to throw, bring that back up again as, as maybe a more positive approach to um, how we can how we can get some of these things named. I mean, we're we're going to be doing them anyway. So, but I don't know that you two or you three or have have time to do that. So, I just wanted to throw that out on the table. If we can create a position to do it, I think it would be nice. Roger's director of parks recreation. Uh, something we can consider. It's kind of like doing grants. Um, if we get a big, you know, oh, and very rarely do I not support a grant opportunity when a group comes and says, hey, we want to go for this grant. And our support is I can do a letter of support. We agree and aligns. If you can do the preliminary work, the groundwork to get the grant, then we will do what we can to manage the grant. And so that seems to be a, a pretty good relationship. And, and you know, maybe it's kind of LSA, they're already doing a fundraiser. Maybe that's something that they ought to be fundraising for. That last piece of you know, a naming right, which would have to be aligned with the city. What they're doing is going to be a gift to the city. It's going to have to go before the city commission to be accepted. But also on those, I recall on the sponsorship naming rights, that's a timed event. Um, yeah, it might be for 10 years or five years, or um, it's not a, a lifetime event. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. track us, but I also know that you guys are are at work a lot, and I see Derek a lot of places around town too. So I I agree with you, Amber. Yeah, Jackie Becker, Chair. I I agree. I I see you all in so many different places, and uh, and I know the work that you're putting in, and and. Uh, as someone who started a few years ago and was like, let's talk about sponsorship. Then you start learning how everything works and it's like, okay, it takes a little bit longer than you think. But I like the I, I like the concept of maybe there is someone that can have a part-time position with this. I know, uh, Roger, you had someone for a while that, as you said, did the low-hanging fruit, but maybe we can <laughs> remind Parks and Rec to uh, think about if we can find a way to have a staff that could start working on some of these things because there could be 
You know, instead of the low hanging fruit, we get the whole tree right around the corner if we can somehow find someone to get paid to do that without consulting. Yeah, I envision the the Raven Bookstore, Lawrence High School. <laughs> <laughs> More than a game that Lawrence High. <laughs> <laughs> Any other comments, questions, thoughts right now? All right, if I see nothing else, it looks like our next meeting will be May 9th. I'm assuming Roger and Derek will keep us abreast as to if it's going to be a hybrid or where we're going with it. So look for that uh, in your emails. And then I'll be looking for a motion to adjourn. This is Marilyn Hall, board member. I move we adjourn. Amber Nicola, board member, second. <laughs> and with that, we are adjourned. Uh, thank you, everybody. And uh, and uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. Oh. Good job, Parks and Rec. So. Yeah. <laughs> Rock Chalk. Hi, everyone. Bye. 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 Thank you. Oh, boy.